today, I'm convinced that many of you are going to take a first step, a first step in your spiritual life, and you're going to walk toward God for the very first time. You may say, well, I'm, I don't have a whole lot to bring. I, all I have is a, a life of shame and sin and mistakes. And I would say, well, welcome to the human family because that's how we all come to God. We don't have any really merit on our own that God would look upon us and say, oh, you're, you're just worthy as you are. No, we come as we are as sinful human beings because we need a Savior. And the good news of not only this Sunday, but also every Sunday, really every day of the week, is there is hope. That God has not left us hopeless and purposeless. He has given us hope, and that hope is found in His Son, Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing about God is, God says, come. Come just as you are and allow me to do what I, only I can do in your life. I will forgive you. I will pardon you. I will give you a brand new lease on life. All you have to do is come just as you are, and I'm convinced in my heart, I believe the Holy Spirit of God has revealed to me, there are some of you here today, for the very, very first time, you'll take that step toward God, and you will uh, become one of His children, and that excites us greatly. Uh, for our guest here today, let me just share with you briefly what we have been doing and what we're going to continue to do today, and probably for the most part of 2018, we're in a, a series, a sermon series, we're calling For the... Anybody know what that is? For the one. Now, the church folk, the, the family folk, they get that. It is for the one, and it's predicated on a passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 15. And so what we're looking at is trying to say, God, who is the one? Who is the one that you will lead me to this week at work or in my neighborhood or at school, vacation, wherever I am? Who is that one person, God, that I can touch, that I can encourage, that I can pray for? And so we're being very, very sensitive to the Lord as He just sends us out throughout the greater Austin area to help us to be sensitive to people who need Him. And that's precisely the way Jesus lived His life. He, he said, I have come, I have been sent by the Father. And Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost, those who have wandered away. And all of us have done that. And this beautiful analogy that Jesus gives in Luke 15, 4, He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he loses just one of them, and that is our key phrase there, just for that one, does he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Some of you are the one today. You are the one. You're the reason why we are here. You're the reason why we have prayed and prepared messages and sermons and, and music, and, and all of this is for you so that you would have just an entry into the kingdom of God. So the very first time you would say, I am that one, Jesus. I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need, I need my sins washed away. Would you do that for me? And God will do that. So today we're looking at the individual of John the Baptist. And throughout this year, we're studying the encounters that Jesus had with individuals in the New Testament. And when he comes upon a, new a person, we just stop. And we analyze it and we study God's Word. We make much of Scripture here at Great Hills Baptist Church. It's our honor to do that, to study the Word of God. And as we study it, we realize that it's not just a book of antiquity, but it is a book of very modern-day reality because it speaks to us as the Holy Spirit just reveals to us Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a fun study. And so if you're brand new to our church, welcome. You're getting in at the very beginning of this study as we walk through the New Testament. And today we're going to study... Jesus' encounter 
with John the Baptist. And specifically, we're going to look at the baptism of Jesus Christ. You say, now, wait a minute. This is Easter, Brother Danny, and you're, you're preaching on baptism? I know why, because you're a Baptist. No, I am a Baptist, but that's not why. The, the reason I'm doing this is because in baptism, much like the Lord's Supper, it is the most graphic, tangible way that the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented. As Mr. Sanchez was just baptized a moment ago, it was a beautiful picture, analogy, a simile, a story, a metaphor. When he was lowered into that water, it represents, it symbolizes that Jesus Christ has washed over his soul and cleansed him. And Daniel did not leave him there, but he, he brought him up. And as he came out of the water, that signifies that is a figurative portrait of a new life now. The old life has been washed away by the blood of Jesus, symbolized through the H2O, the water. And now he's given a new life. And he walks in the forgiveness of God. And he has this joy and this peace that he never had before. And that's, that is for you today as well. And Jesus was baptized. And it is fascinating to me. He was 30 years of age. He walks into the Jordan River. And John the baptizer is looking at Jesus going, wait a minute, we've got this backwards. I really need you to baptize me. And you see the humility there. We'll talk about that in a moment. But Jesus says, no, John, it's very important that you baptize me because we're going to fulfill all righteousness. And I believe what Jesus is doing is giving us a template. He's given us a model, an example that all of his followers, all the billions of followers who have followed him for 2,000 years, that's our way to identify with him. It is an outward demonstration of an inward transformation. It's kind of like a wedding. When a husband or, or a man and a woman come together to be married, what they are doing publicly before the world to see, they are demonstrating the inward love that they have for one another. We can't see that love. We can't see faith. We can't see love. But we can see manifestations of it. And so it's kind of like a ring, a wedding ring. Now, that's not my marriage, but it sure does represent my marriage. And in baptism and in the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, when you see those tangible elements... When you see the bread, you see the juice, you see the water, you see the ring, you, you, then you're just going, I understand. It is a beautiful picture. So let's look at the text today. I'm going to read it. We're going to make some comments about it. And again, as I began this message today, just in my heart, I just truly believe there are going to be many of you who are going to take that very first step. And you're going to be nervous. <laughs> You're going to be intimidated, and you're going to be going, oh, what in the world am I going to do? What are my friends at work going to think about me? What is my family going to think about me? And I'm just going to say, you come. Come just as you are. In, step into the forgiveness of sin that Jesus Christ offers today. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John. Now, this is not the author of the Gospel of John. This is John the Baptist, okay? And he came to him at the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And John said, no, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Look at this. He actually tried to prevent Jesus. He tried to say, stop, no, no. I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and he said to him, John, it's okay. Don't you just love it when Jesus speaks like that to us? 
You know, we're, we're all discombobulated. We're all confused. And we, we think things are just backwards. We think up is down and down is up. We don't, we don't know what's right. We don't know what's wrong. We're just confused. And Jesus says, it's okay. <laughs> Allow it. Permit it to be so now. And thus, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John baptized Jesus. And when he had been baptized, now I want you to watch this. This is one of the most fascinating passages in all the Bible. In Christianity, we teach we serve a Trinitarian God. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. One in three, three in one. From all time, all eternity, it always been this way, always will be this way, that God is one and yet he is three persons. And in his baptism, much like it is Great Commission, you'll see all three persons of the Godhead on display. It is a beautiful thing. This is a very deep, rich, theological moment in the baptism of Jesus Christ. Here it is. And when he had been baptized, now that word baptism is the Greek word baptizo, literally. Baptizo means not to sprinkle, not to pour. It means to dunk them, brothers and sisters. I mean, it means to lower them down and bring them back up. And there's a reason for the mode of baptism and why it's so rich. And I'll tell you more about it in a moment. But here it is. Jesus was baptized, and when he came up, and by the way, you can't come up unless you've been down, so I'm just helping you now, all right? He came up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open to Jesus, and bam! Look what happened. The Spirit of God descends like in the form of a dove and lights upon Jesus Christ, and then a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son. Who's speaking? God the Father is speaking to God the Son as God the Holy Spirit is manifested right before their eyes. And he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. The baptism of Jesus Christ by John the Baptist. It is a beautiful message for Resurrection Sunday. You know, I like all kinds of music and all genres of music, and I guess I will forever like country music. I just, I just like it, you know. I like southern gospel music. I, I'm sure there's rap in heaven. I just hope not. You know, I, I'm just, <laughs> just, 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 I'm just being real with you. I, I, I'm sorry, teenagers. I know it's a popular genre. But there's a song by Rascal Flats. Got any Rascal Flats? All right, good. L listen, to the, listen to this song. No way am I going to sing it. I can't sing soprano, amen. But I came up out of the water. I raised my hands. Remember this? I raised my hands up to the Father. I gave it all to him that day, and I felt a new wind kiss my face. I walked away, eyes wide open, could finally see where I was going. Didn't matter where I'd been, I'm not the same man I was then. I got off track, I made mistakes. Anybody relate to that? I backslid in my ways into a place where souls get lost and lines get crossed and the pain won't go away. But I hit my knees... And now here I stand. There I was. Now here I am. Here I am. I am changed. I came up out of the water, raised my hands up to the Father. What's he talking about? He's talking about his baptism. Baptism is a beautiful thing. 
It's that outward demonstration, that tangible, physical, corporeal expression that mirrors, that mimics that inward dynamic that no human eye can see. So today, we're going to talk about salvation, your salvation, and your baptism. In fact, I'm hoping to create a little bit of controversy for you when you go eat your Easter lunch today. I'd love for you to go and have lunch with your Catholic brother-in-law. Right? And it goes something like this. Where'd you go to church today? Well, I went to Great Hills Baptist Church. Well, how was that? Well, it was okay, I guess. The music was great. And the preacher, he, well, what did he talk about? He talked about baptism. Baptism? Oh, I took care of that when I was an infant. And you say, okay. He said, well, what did the preacher say about that? And you say, well, the preacher talked about Jesus got baptized when he was 30 years of age. What do you think about that? Pass the mashed potatoes, please. Amen. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's convicting, isn't it? I was baptized almost as an infant. I was six years of age and had not a clue what I was doing. Until later on, I realized that baptism is for those who profess their faith in Jesus Christ and they go public for the whole world to see. There are three things I want you to notice with me in this, this sermon about the baptism of Jesus. I want you to notice the dimension of humility, secondly, obedience, and thirdly, blessings. First of all, there's the dimension of humility. There's lots of humility going on in the baptism of Jesus. First of all, there's John the Baptist, his humility. I love the part where he says, no, no, please, please, we got this all backwards. Jesus, please dunk me. I'm the one. I need to be uh, forgiven. I need you to, to baptize me. And Jesus says, it's okay, John. It's okay. But I, I'm attracted to John the Baptist, his weakness, his meekness, and his, and his humility. But more than that, I'm attracted to Jesus' humility. He created the very water about, he's about to go under. He spoke the universe into existence. Read Colossians chapter 1. Everything's created by the Son, for the Son. And the Son takes on human flesh. And He humbles Himself and He allows Himself to be submerged in water as an adult. As an adult, humility on display. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who put themselves last will be first. Those who demand to be first will be last. Follow my example. Die to yourself and let it be beautifully portrayed in the act of baptism. I think the thing that keeps us from the kingdom of God and from going public with God is pride. It's pride, and we all got it, right? We all have pride. We all have, now, not the good kind. I'm proud of my grandson, <clears throat> made straight A's. Proud of my granddaughter, proud of my daughter. She, she hit a home run in the softball game, and that's okay. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a pride that says, God, I don't need you. I've got it all worked out, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay, and it's, no, you're not. You're never going to get over your, your addictions, your shame, and your guilt. You can't do that on your own. You need help, okay? And so Jesus, he's, he's paving the way and he's showing us that it's through humility that we die and that we're born to eternal life. I'll just be honest with you, it was my pride 
that kept me from being baptized for so many months. Now, I'll just tell you the story. I was, I was baptized when I was six years of age. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I do remember that my dad was not there. Isn't it strange what you remember as a kid? My mom was there. My older brother was there. He was baptized with me. We were six years of age, and I know I'm short. You should have seen me when I was six. I was like that tall. I could, and I remember trying to look over the ledge and, and, and couldn't see my dad. It's, I know it's sad. It's kind of strange, the things that you, you remember. But anyhow, I was baptized, and I went in a wet center, a dry center, came out a wet center. There was just no change in my life until I went to the University of Mobile in Alabama, and God really began to convict my heart. And he really began to draw me into a relationship with him. And so I, January the 3rd, 1984, I got down on my knees in Mobile, Alabama, in my bedroom. And I said, Jesus, save me, help me, cleanse me, I'm yours, and take me. And he did. And it was a beautiful thing. It was a salvation moment, all right? I didn't bring anything to the table. All I brought was my sins. And Jesus said, I forgive you, and I give you my life. And everything was wonderful until... You know that little voice that starts speaking to you? And it's a voice of truth, a voice of conscience, and it was the Holy Spirit saying, you need to go public. And I was like, no, we're, we're good, right? Because I did that when I was six years of age. We're all good with this. And by the way, by this time, I'd already surrendered to be a preacher, a pastor. And so month after month, it would go by, and I had my baptism on the wrong side of my salvation. I was baptized over here, and I got saved here, and I knew I knew I needed to go public and be baptized over here. But in my pride and in my obstinance, I told God, no. Now, the audacity of a mere human being, mortal, saying to the Almighty, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, let me just say something to you. One of the reasons I know I'm a child of God, because God disciplines me, and he gets my attention, all right? And he just, kept, he just kept nagging me. And so finally, I remember one day, a day like, much like this day, the Baptist preacher was up there. He was preaching. And, and man, I was standing back there in, in my pew. And I, just, I basically just started running to the altar. And I said, God, I give up. And I need to be baptized. I need to go public. I need to forget, worried about what people think about me. And as I did, i tell you the truth. Here's what happened. My first cousin was 20 years of age. He came forward on the other side of the altar. And then a 65-year-old man who was a pillar in the church, he came forward to be baptized. And it was just this beautiful thing where so much humility and there was so much blessing and the, and the humility is, is just the spark. It's the key that unlo unlocks the treasury of God's blessing. So let me ask you today, will you humble yourself and will you say, God, I need you? take control of my life, and I follow you in believer's baptism. The second thing I want you to notice with me in this text is the obedience. Obedience is really, is really the key. And Jesus is being obedient to the heavenly Father's wish and command for his life. And he tells John, he said, John, it's, it's okay. Allow it to be so now because we are fulfilling all righteousness. You say, well, what does that mean? And what I think it means, what I said earlier, is that Jesus has given us an example to follow. He's not baptized the same reason we are. We're baptized because we are, we're making a statement that our old sinful life is washed away and we have this new life in God. And, but Jesus, he had no sin. And I think that's why John was confused and he's going, what's going on here? And Jesus is saying, it's okay 
Let's do this because I am creating an example for my people. Whenever I baptize children, I, I have a little conversation with them, and it goes something like this. I go to the, to the board, you, uh, usually a chalkboard. I have some, some markers there, and, and the blackboard or whatever you call the board thing, you write on, amen. And I'm, I've got a flag. I draw a flag, and I'll say, watch this, and I'll have a blue marker and a red marker, and I put some stars in there, and I kind of put some wavy stripes in there, and I ask the, the child, 100% every time the child gets it right, I'll ask them, what is this? And they'll say, that's a flag. And I'll say, what does it represent? And their, their eyes light up. A smile comes on their face. And they say, that is the United States of America. I said, that's correct. Now, now that's not the United States of America, right? And they're like, right, but it's what? It's a picture. It's a symbol. Now, what if I draw a picture of a flag and I color it orange and purple and green? Will the child say, that's the United States? No, they won't because it has to be what? Red, white, and blue. The mode of baptism is important. And the reason we are submersed and submerged and we go under the water completely is because of what that says, what that represents, that our sins have been completely forgiven by God and when we're raised up, we live this new life. And, and I tell you, there's a text in Romans that so beautifully describes this. And I want, you to, I want you to read it to you. It says this, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus, we were baptized into his death? Did you get that? He died. And in our baptism, we die. I mean, really, if, if, if you stay under that water for any amount of time, a few minutes, you're going to die. But, but it's all a symbol. It's all a metaphor because when you come up, you're saying, I'm alive. I'm cleansed. I have this new life. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So it's this beautiful picture. It's this glorious depiction of what happens inwardly, and it's on the outside through baptism that we display that. It's, it's public for all to see. Another passage of Scripture I want to read to you has to do with baptism. It's Luke 7, 30, and it talks about the Pharisees and the religious aristocracy in Jesus' days who had no humility and they had no obedience toward God. And here it says, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves because they would not be baptized. Now, I want you to hear my heart well on this because I do not believe in baptismal regeneration. I do not believe that you have to be baptized to go to heaven. If I believe that, then that's a dangerous soteriology, right? That's a dangerous doctrine of salvation because that says man has to do something, has to work in order to go to heaven. There's a guy in the Bible, it's called the thief on the cross. I mean, he's hanging there, and he's about to die and go to hell, and he knows it. And he looks over at Jesus, and he says, would you please help me, and I'm, I need you, forgive me. And Jesus says, yes, I forgive you, and today you'll be with me in paradise. And he never was baptized, right? But I will say this. Those who genuinely follow the Lord and know him as their Savior, and they have an understanding of Scripture, they will get baptized. They just will. 
Now, you may be like me, proud little obstinate soul that you are, and you'll run, but the hounds of heaven always catch you, all right? Just telling you. And when they catch you, <laughs> you'll go, why was I running? Why, why did I flee? Why was I so? And it was because of, our, because of our pride. You say, okay, well, you got my attention. This is very different, very different. I thought you were going to give me the 18 reasons why Jesus really rose from the dead. Hey, let me ask you something. If you didn't believe he really arose, would you be here today? Yeah. Why, why spend 30 minutes of your time convincing you of something you already believe? When I was a young preacher, that's what I used to do. I used to, convince, I used to think, Lord, I am your prosecuting attorney, and I'm just going to convince them all that, that the resurrection is real. And our people are like, okay, thank you. And it's like, we know it's real. We wouldn't be here if we didn't believe it. So since we know it's real, what are you going to do about it? Will you receive it? And will you follow through with baptism? Or will you just walk away and say, you know, not today. Here's why you need to do it. The Bible says, and Jesus came and spoke to them. This is post-resurrection, pre-ascension. Jesus has died. He arose from the dead. And he says these words, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go and make disciples of all the nations. What's that next word say? Baptizing them in the name. And here it is, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's obedience, pure and simple. There's, there's a story in the Bible, and, and I'm just going to tell it to you real quick. It's one of my favorite stories. It's about a man named Philip. He's a, he's a deacon preacher, and he's... He's preaching this great movement of God revival in Acts chapter 8. And the Spirit of God says, go and leave this area and go to the desert. And so Philip leaves and he walks out in the desert. And he's going, why in the world am I out in the desert? And here comes a chariot. A chariot with a man who's a very wealthy man. He is a treasurer for a queen in Ethiopia. And he is a financial man. He is a brilliant man. And there he is, a eunuch, which means he serves at the pleasure of the, of the queen, and, and, and that's, that's what he does, right? And so he is reading the Bible and Isaiah, and he's in his chariot, and Philip jumps up in the chariot with him and says, hi there, how's it going? And the guy goes, can you please help me understand what it is I'm reading here? And Philip said, I'll be glad to. That is talking about Jesus Christ. And by the way, he just died a few years ago, and he arose from the dead, and if you trust in him, then you can become his follower. And he goes, oh, that, I like that. That makes a lot of sense to me. And the Bible says they kept riding in the chariot and they came up on some water. And the, then the eunuch, he looked at Philip, he goes, now there's some water. Can I just get baptized right here out in the desert? And Philip says, yes, you may, if you believe. And I love that when he said, oh, Philip, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they, so they jumped out of the chariot and they baptized him and the man went on to Africa to take the gospel to Africa and the Spirit of God took Philip back to Jerusalem. So the reason we do this is because Christ has commanded us to do it and we follow him in baptism. Now the last thing I want to share with you, and I couldn't wait to share, it's the shortest part of the sermon and yet it's the one I, I get so excited when I share the blessings. If you're taking notes, it's humility, obedience, and then blessings. The blessings. When Jesus was baptized, God the Father spoke. He spoke from heaven. Can you imagine? 
This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so Jesus gets this anointing, this blessing from the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He is inaugurating the very beginning of his public ministry of preaching, and he receives this, this anointing, this pleasing blessing of God the Father, and, and, he, and he just comes up out of the water, and there's just joy. I mean, joy drips off of this story just like the water is dripping off of Jesus' robe. It's, it's rich, and I tell people, I say, listen, whenever you receive Christ and you come out of your sin and you believe in him, God, it's just going to be a wonderful experience. And when you follow the Lord in believers' baptism, God is going to bless you. So, okay, hold on just a second, Pastor. I'm not in no prosperity blessings. Listen, you take this for the truth. If you accept Jesus Christ... And you go public with him through baptism, just mark it down, my friend. He's going to bless your life. Some of you are like, man, I need a blessing. I don't know, I need need something in my life. I need something different in my life. I might as well try that. Yes, you might as well. You might as well. You've tried everything else, right? You've tasted it, slept with it, drank it, injected it, studied it. Have you tried him? Really? Really? Have you tried the creator God who has this divine romance with your soul and sent his son to die on a cross and arise from the dead? And by his spirit, he says, I will come into your life and I will change you. I will rearrange you. Your life will be forever blessed, not just here on this earth, but when you die, you'll enter into the very presence of God in heaven. Man, it's the way to go. It is the way to go. It's the only way to go. So I I invite you. I wish I could do it for you. I wish I could just, well, I hadn't planned on doing this, but sometimes it just happens. Here we go. Here we go. Excuse me. Hello, young lady. Hi. How are you doing? What's your name? Amy. Amy. The invitation's given, and you say, Lord, it's me. I'm the one. And it looks something like this. You step out. You start. You start walking down this aisle. And there'll be some preacher. There'll be somebody up here. And you just say, I'm the one. I'm the one that needs Jesus Christ. Would you help me? Let me just tell you something, friend. There will be a holy hootenanny party breaking out right here at the altar. There will be people just excited, and some people probably even cry, and we'll say, welcome to the family of God. Listen, I would do that for you if I could, but Amy, I, I, I sat by you a minute ago as an illustration. I can't do that for you. You have to do that, all right? Last thing I want to say is this. Easter Sundays are really funny. I've preached, goodness, I'm 53, I've been preaching for a long time, I'm old. Every Easter, (laughs) somebody started clapping, amen, he is old, he's old. Every Easter, Patrick, it's, it's the same thing, every Easter. I'll stand up here, pastors will be up here, and like this ice comes over the church. And you can't break it. Hardly anybody moves. And I said, come, come to Jesus and be saved. 
ice. And it's, it's strange, preacher. I, don't, I, don't, I, I understand it's a spiritual thing. And God spoke to my heart today and he said, tell them, tell them to come and be saved today. I, I do pray in a moment when we stand that you'll just walk out and you'll come forward. You say, well, what are y'all going to do to me? We're just going to say, welcome. God bless you. We're going to pray with you. We're going to encourage you. Now, beyond that, we would love to see you get baptized. We would love to see you become a member of this church. But really, that's secondary to you just coming to Jesus and just saying, here I am. I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Now, some of you are thinking, if I walk down that aisle, people are going to say, he's a sinner. She's a sinner, to which I fly. Praise God, he saved sinners. All right, me, he saved me. He'll save you. You just, you just come. So, so we're going to do this. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go old school on y'all. I'm going I'm, I'm to go Billy Graham on you. In a moment, the buses will wait. You, you come. Your friends will wait. Your neighbors will wait. Your grandparents will wait. You stand up. I'm telling you. I'm speaking truth. Your heart's going to be beating like it's going to come out of your chest. Come. Come. Be forgiven. Enjoy the grace of God. This is, this is for you. You are the one. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. That many would come. I pray that many of our own people would come and just maybe lead the way and pray at the altar. And that our pastors and our deacons and our leadership would be ready, Lord, just to take a person by the hand. And say, welcome to the family of God. Let us encourage you. Let us pray with you. Let us confirm your decision to receive Christ today. Lord, I'm praying against the ice and the frigidness and the frozenness of most Easter services. Lord, would you melt that by the warmth of the Spirit of God. May there be conviction of sin and may there be reception of eternal life. Jesus, we pray this is for you and this is for your glory. And we're asking, Lord, that you would save people today. We love you, Lord. We commit this time to you. This is all for you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Go ahead and stand all over the sanctuary, all over the auditorium. Terry and our band's going to lead us in a song. And as they begin to sing, we'll just be standing here at the front. We invite you to come. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you any way that we can. God bless you as you come.